of the Jesus Society podcast, an ongoing conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is episode 69 of the Jesus Society podcast, and um, you probably know if you're a regular listener that we did not have an episode uh, last week. Um, there, I, t- I told my wife, I think July is trying to kill me. Um, and uh, I just had I had so much stuff on my plate and so many plates I was trying to spin that um, I just I just couldn't I couldn't manage to put something together that I thought would be would be good and helpful and I wasn't going to just throw something out there that wasn't that I didn't really believe in so so I just didn't do one um, so uh, I apologize for that um, but life happens sometimes so that's the way it is. Um, and I will persevere, and um, July only lasts 30 days or so, and then we're into August. And August, hopefully, will be a little easier. Um, so today, what I want to do is I want to kind of follow up on our uh, Men of God series. And um, and I want to talk about, the last episode I did was about what, what boys need from their fathers. Um, I want to kind of expand that a little bit. I want to, I want to talk about parenting in general, uh, not just as it pertains to men and boys, but but parenting in, in general. And I have been thinking about this conversation for a long, long time, actually. Um, I, my wife and I have talked about this. Um, I've got some some dear friends who, who I regard as really good parents um, that have raised really good kids. We've talked about this. Um, at some point, it is my intent to uh, try to get some of those people on the uh, on the podcast and and have a kind of a bigger conversation about parenting, um, including my wife, if I can ever convince her to get behind a microphone, um, which the jury is still out on that. Um, but uh, I think together we could we could have a pretty good full conversation about about parenting. Um, but I don't have all those people with me today. So what I what I want to do today is kind of kind of outline what I understand to be a, a kind of a biblical philosophy of of parenting, and then with that kind of in front of us, I, I just want to give some real specific off the cuff kind of advice for parents. Hopefully, timely advice. Um, I've had a number of conversations with people over the last month um, about parenting-related sort of things. Um, and uh, I, I think in the kingdom of God, we need, to do a, we need to do a better job of talking about what this looks like and give, give some young parents some, some better tools than I think that we've, that we've done. So uh, I'm gonna, I, don't, I don't claim that this, this one episode is going to solve all that for all time, but I want to kind of dip my toe into that water and, and hopefully provide some things that'll that'll at least set the stage and get us pointed or, or aimed at, at a at a healthy direction. So I want to start off kind of talking about a, a, a 
biblical philosophy of parenting. Now, there's there's three passages of scripture in the Bible that I'm going to draw on, and there's there's more we could talk about a lot more, but but um, these, as I think about parenting, these are sort of my um, stake in the ground passages, the things that that my thinking about parenting revolves sort of around. So the first is, and and I'm gonna just I'm gonna just read these, and then I'm gonna kind of sort of summarize them into what I think is a a coherent philosophical outlook with respect to parenting. Okay, so the first passage is Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through seven, and uh, God says this: um, "Hear, O Israel." The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, that's that's the Shema. That's the that's the Jesus will talk about this as being the the greatest commandment, okay? Um what we don't often connect that to when we're talking about the greatest commandment is the the words that come next, okay? So the, the very next verse is this. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home, when you're away, when you lie down, and when you arise. Okay? The next verse, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train children in the right way, and when old, they will not stray. Okay? Now, I want want to say something real quick about about that. Proverbs, you may not know, they're not absolute 100% of the time guaranteed this will always happen kinds of things, right? They're general truths. So anytime you read a, a proverb, it's a general truth. Generally, that's true. Is there a time when that's not going to be true? Yes, there's exceptions. It's not always going to, it's not a program, right, where you, you just plug this in and it's, you're going to get a guaranteed result. But more often than not, this is generally this is generally true, okay? That's the way you need to view Proverbs. So this one, Proverbs 22, verse 6, train children in the right way, and when they're old, they will not stray. Generally, that's true, okay? Does it ever not proved to be true? Yes. But generally, that works. Okay. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. This is the third one. Fathers, talking about fathers, this could be true of mothers too, but fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay. So there's a, there's a lot there's a lot in there, okay? There, uh, and, and we could just talk about each individual passage, but I want to kind of put all that together. And here's what I want to say about parenting based on all the things that are in those, those passages. And I want to say this as clearly as I can say it. Parents, you need to realize and accept and embrace the fact that with your with respect to your children you have a job beyond keeping your children alive until they're 18 okay you are you are much more than 
a life support system for your children, okay? And so you have to understand, if, if, if that's true, that you have a job to do, you need to understand what your job is, okay? Um, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw several points today. I'm going to draw back to some resources that are kind of old now. Um, but some of you may um, remember having read the book um, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That was a big deal for a while. That was a that was the book, right? Um, I, I think it. I think a lot of that was overstated, right? Um, but there's some good stuff in there. But I want to I want to draw our attention per, for the purposes of this discussion to what what he said. Um, that was Stephen Covey, I think. Wasn't it? Wasn't he the one that did that book? I don't remember. I'll put a link in the show notes for it if you want to read it. Um, I want to draw our attention to what he identified as habit number one and habit number two, okay? So habit number one is be proactive, okay? Habit number two is begin with the end in mind, okay? So let me talk about those, each of them individually. Be proactive, that's habit number one. What that means with respect to parenting, is take responsibility for your own kids. Okay? That's simple. Realize that you have you have an obligation, you have a responsibility to raise your kids. Take that mantle of responsibility seriously. Don't expect society to raise your kids and to have them turn out the way, the way you want them to. Um, don't expect the church or the youth minister, if you're a Christian, um, don't expect um, to, to just farm that job out to someone else, whether it's society, whether it's the school, um, whether it's your church or the youth minister or the youth group. Do not abdicate your role. You're, you are the primary influence in your child's life. You need to take that seriously. You need to be proactive about that. If your kids are going to turn out the way you want them to, you need to be involved, and you need to take that job seriously, and you need to not just coast through their life and think that things are just going to turn out because you've kept them well-fed and kept them, you know, from ending up in the hospital, all right? There's much more involved than that. So that's your job. God has given you responsibility for these lives that he has entrusted to your care and nurturing. You are their parents. You are their guides. Be proactive. Take that responsibility seriously. And do not, do not think that you can just coast through that or that it's all going to come naturally and it's going to be easy. Gird up your loins and be the people God, want you, God wants you to be and that you need to be for the, for the sake of your kids. Okay? So, be proactive. Secondly... The second habit that, that Covey mentioned, I think it's Covey. I should find that out. Is that, is that Stephen Covey? Um, I got to look this up because I, I don't want to misstate this. Um, seven habits of highly effective people. Yes, Stephen Covey. There we go. Okay, so I was right. At least once today, I will have been right about something. That's good. <laughs> Okay, so the second habit, begin with the end in mind, okay? 
So what he's getting at there is if you if you want to do something, you need to figure out where you want to go. You need to figure out what the end result is. He tells the story in the book of, of, he talks about your life, right? Think about what you want people to say at your funeral. What when you're when you're in the casket, what do you want people to be saying about you as they gather around? Right? Figure out what, what you want them to say and then live your life in such a way that, that that they can say that truthfully. Okay? That's kind of sobering advice, but it's pretty good. So how does that apply to parenting? Well, begin with the end in mind. What is the end? What is the goal of parenting? And 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 listen up, parents, please don't miss this because I think a lot of parents miss this just simply because they don't think about it, okay? So listen, listen here. I'm, I'm, I, want, I want your attention on all this. Your goal is not to produce good kids, okay? That's not your job. That's not your purpose. You're not... Your, your job is not to produce good kids. Your job, folks, is to produce good adults. There's a, there's a big difference in the way you think about that, right? You are raising adults. Your, your children will be adults for a whole lot longer in their lives than they will be kids. Your job is to... Is to do what you can to make sure that, that when they hit adulthood, they are good, healthy, functioning, responsible, decent adults. Okay? Your goal is not to produce good kids. It is to produce good, good adults. Okay? So if that's the end, how do you do that? Well, parenting is about developing secure, responsible, decent adults. That means that whatever the qualities are that you determine are, are, are good, healthy adults need to have. They need to be wise. They need to be caring. They need to be hardworking. They need to be compassionate. They need to be honest. Okay? Like whatever those qualities are that we all kind of agree on, what the, what the Bible tells us, it means to be a, a person of character, a person living like Jesus. All right? That's the end. Your job is to help them be those kind of adults, okay? Um, now, there's there, you know there's basic character things that don't have anything to do with being a Christian, right? But beyond that, as Christians, parenting is about helping your kids become Christ-like adults. And you do that in three very, very powerful ways. They are simple. They are simple. They're not easy, but they're very simple to understand. You do that in three very powerful ways. Number one, you do that by your example. You do that by your instruction. And you do that by your love. Okay? So you've got to, you have got to model what you want your kids to become. Your kids will only, they, they, your kids will not be better than you, probably. They can be, but it's they're going to have some stuff to overcome. You got to model this. If you want your kids, um, if you're disengaged, your kids are going to be disengaged. If you're self-centered, your kids are going to be self-centered. If you're dishonest or you skirt the truth or lie, they probably will too. 
But, but the reverse is true. If you're honest, your kids are going to want to be honest. If you're hardworking, your kids can be hardworking. If you're kind, your kids will be kind, right? Um, if you're whatever, like, like you got to model this stuff. You've got to be the people you want your kids to become. You're not going to be able to, the old thing we used to say, or parents used to say, do as I say, not as I do. That is the biggest bunch of bunk, the biggest bunch of garbage um, that has ever been said. Things don't work that way. Not in a family, right? So you have to, you cannot give what you don't have. I, I say that all the time about all kinds of things. If you want your kids to be loving and kind and hardworking and decent and honest and truthful and wise, you need to be that too. You need to model that for them, okay? Also, your job is to train, to guide, to nurture. And so that means you need to have an agenda with your kids. This this idea, and I... And I, I, I I've heard a number of parents kind of talk this way. This idea that, um, well, you know, I, I don't want to force my agenda on the kids. I, I want them to be free to choose their own. That's garbage. That's garbage. It's garbage, folks. It's garbage. I've got an agenda with my son. I have since the day he was born. I make no apologies for that. Now, I'll say my, my kid has turned out pretty good. All right. I'm not saying I'm a perfect parent, but I am telling you I had an agenda from day one, and so did his mother. I wanted him to become a, a, a good, decent, honest, honorable, compassionate, loving, kind, wise, Christ-like young man. And he has become that. He's not perfect. He's going to listen to this. Uh, you're not perfect, Nathan. <laughs> he knows he's not perfect. But I am as proud of him as any as any young man I've ever met. He is a good young man. He is a fine young man. I would trust him with almost anything or anybody. Okay? Um, and he's had some he's had some adjustments. He's had some struggles along the way. He's He's made some stupid mistakes and has paid the consequences for those. But I will tell you that those things were out of character for him. And he is, he is anyway, he's a good, good young man. I'm, I'm, I couldn't be more proud of him. Couldn't be more proud of you, Nathan. I love you. Okay, so you, you need to have an agenda. Uh, you are not neutral, and your job is not just to keep them healthy and safe so that they can choose for themselves what kind of adult they will become. Don't let your kids figure that stuff out on their own. Don't let them decide on their own what kind of adults they want to be. Now, having said that, I know that you cannot control your kids, particularly the older they get. When they start getting into teenage years, your job, somebody said this to me at one point, and I've always thought about it, from the moment your kids are born, you are you are gradually and slowly release, relinquishing control of their lives over to them. Okay, the older they get, the more you you do that. Which means, what you do in the first five to ten years of their life is going to set the set the pace for what happens in their teenage years. People that have horrible 
trouble with... I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. I'm going to hurt some people by saying this. But I think I'll, I think this is. I just think this is true. If you're listening to this and, and you know me, you know I love you, and no one loves you more than I do, probably. And I care about you. And I, this is not criticism, but but you know, kids that get into trouble as teenagers, it didn't just start when they were teenagers, right? The, if you set the groundwork, if you lay a good foundation. That doesn't mean everything in teenage years is going to be easy and wonderful and turn out well, but you you stack the odds in your favor much more so than otherwise, okay? Um, You cannot control everything. Your kids are going to make their own choices, which may well be counter to your desires for them. They may decide to go astray. They may become rebellious. They may do drugs. They may do all kinds of things that we pray to the Lord above that, that he would spare them from and that they would avoid, okay? But that does not mean you have no influence over them, okay? And that is your job, to influence them. You, you go into parenting with an agenda and, and embrace that. Make no apologies for that, okay? Your, you, your job is to form them into responsible, moral, honest, wise, loving, strong, Christ-like adults. Okay? That, I think, is the biblical picture, the biblical philosophy of parenting. So, let me switch gears now. And I want to give you... um, some specific advice, okay? And I, I hope this is helpful. I've prayed a lot about this. I, I think, I believe this stuff. I think this is helpful. I hope you do too. I hope you find some benefit from it. First of all, realize that love covers a multitude of sins. That's true in life. That's true in parenting, all right? You are going to make mistakes as a parent. You just are. You're not the perfect parent. I'm not the perfect parent. You're never going to be the perfect parent. You are going to make mistakes. You're going to do stuff that's going to hurt your kids. You're going to make some bad choices and some bad decisions. You're not going to be perfect, okay? But the thing, the thing that will mitigate a lot of that is love. If you love your kids... Okay, in, in using a, a biblical definition of love, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean you uh, you um, just let them do whatever they want to do, right? But if you love your kids and your kids know that they are loved and they're secure, that will overcome any deficiencies you have as a parent. That doesn't alleviate you from the responsibility to learn and grow in your parenting and and do the best job you can do. But love will cover a multitude of sins. Love will overcome your deficiencies as a parent, okay? So don't think it's all about just doing the right things. Make sure all of that is undergirded with love. Make sure your kids feel loved, that they know that they're loved, okay? That's important. That's that's maybe the most important thing that you're going to hear today. Okay, second... 
I've got about nine of these, okay? And 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 we're going to move through them, you know, relatively quickly. But um, second, you need some help in parenting, okay? So find yourself some people, a husband and wife, who have done a good job, who have raised kids. Don't 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 look to people who are still in the in the trenches with you. You know, still trying to struggle through raising five year olds. You want to see. You want to find some people who whose kids are, you know, grown or mostly grown, and they've turned out well. They're they're good. They're kind. They're decent. They're loving. They're hardworking. They're honest. They're trustworthy. Responsible. Christ-like. Find some people who have who have who have raised kids like that successfully. And you stick to them like glue. You you get them involved in your lives. You get them involved in your kids' lives. Have them over for dinner every so on. Pick pick their brains. Ask them to mentor you. Ask them to help you do a good job. I'm a big believer in in taking advice from people who have, who are success successful, right? One of our problems is that we too often take advice from people that don't know any more than we do or know a little less. We take advice from the people who just happen to be around us, whether they, whether they know what they're doing or not. Find some people that know what they're doing as evidenced by the fact that they've done this and they've done it well, okay? And be humble enough to ask them for help. Ask them for advice and listen to what they have to say. Take their advice. Let them help you become better people, better parents for the sake of your kids, okay? Um Again, I'm a, I'm a big believer in learning from experts, and expert parents are those who have raised spiritually and emotionally healthy adults. Get them in your life. Third, in your family, you need to cultivate an atmosphere of vulnerability and openness, okay? And I say the word cultivate because it's not going to happen by accident. You have to be intentional about it. What I mean by that is let your kids... Let your kids see you as you are. Let, the, let your kids know that you're not perfect. Okay? Don't pretend to have it all together in front of your kids. Okay? Let your kids know that you struggle with things. Let your kids know that, you, that you're flawed. When you screw up, as you will, man up to that. Woman up to that. Right? Apologize to your kids. Admit that you've that you screwed up because they're going to see it anyway let them see that you're vulnerable enough to be honest and ask them for forgiveness okay you got if if you want your kids to be vulnerable and open you need to be you need to model that it's like everything else okay fourth cultivate an atmosphere of truth and trust in your family one of, the, one of the family rules that we had in our life, uh, the, the family values, was honesty. We don't lie to one another, period. We just don't lie. Now, here's the thing. Every parent I know says that they want their kids to, to feel like they can come to them and talk to them about anything. But you know what? Most kids don't feel that way because most kids know, a lot of kids know, that if I come to mom or dad and tell them what I'm really, what's really going on in my life, they're going to blow their gasket. If I tell them that I screwed up, they're going to blow a gasket. All right? How do you get past that? If you want your kids to be open and honest with you about what's going on in their life, 
you got to resolve not to blow a gasket when they tell you something that you don't you don't like. That takes work. It takes self-control. Cultivate that in your family, right? You can you can talk about it with your kids, but don't let their kids think don't let your kids think that if I tell mom and dad this they're going to they're going to blow a nut. Blow a gasket, right? You got to cultivate that. Um, yeah, gosh, that's that's huge. Truth and trust. Be the kind of people your kids trust. Be the the kind of people that model truth and that your kids know that can they can they can be truthful to you, with you. Okay. Fifth. Be present with your kids. And make your kids be present with you. Be engaged. Be an engaged family. Be available. Do stuff with your kids. And one thing this means also is we've got a we've got a crisis in our country of electronics. My gosh, we use electronics as babysitters. We give them to our kids when they're three, four, five, and we just let them zone out. I'll tell you something else about electronics. Social media, um, TikTok is horrible about this. Video games, I, I, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be one of those parents that rails against these things. Those things, um, they're produced in in you know ten to fifteen second attention spans. Like every bit of content on those is in is in bite sized ten to fifteen second intervals. You know what that does to the to a child's brain? It programs them to only be able to pay attention to things that are 10 to 15 seconds long. Um, no wonder we've got an epidemic of ADD going. We have all programmed our kids to, to the point that they, they can't pay attention to anything that, that, that requires sustained attention because we have programmed them not to need to, right? Limit electronics, limit video games. Do not those use those things as babysitters. Make your kids use their imaginations. Let them be bored. You know, we, we think being bored is the worst possible thing in the world. Being bored is healthy, right? Because it forces all of us to use our imaginations, to, to problem solve, to, to come up with stuff on our own, right? That's, that's useful stuff. So, and I want to say this, if you're using electronics to babysit your kids is it is it because you you're zoned out on your electronics too parents you need to you need to you need to be responsible you need to be an adult here like you need to limit your own electronics i get a i get a thing from apple every week i've said this before telling me how many hours per day that i have spent screen time i'm ashamed of that i'm ashamed at that number now a lot of people have numbers higher than mine, but when I see that I've spent three, four hours glued to my screen, I'm ashamed of that. We've got to take control of this in our own lives for the sake of us, for the sake of our kids. We, and like your kids are probably worse. If you have three or four hours a day on screen time, they probably have six or seven. Monitor that. Put the, put the, put the bloody electronics away. Engage with your kids. Talk to them. 
Play games with them. Like board, old-fashioned board games. Play cards. Go outside. Do stuff outside. Go for a bike ride. Go for a walk. Anything but electronics. Be with your kids. I, I, I will often say to Nathan, Nathan's 26 years old, I think. <laughs> 25 or 26, can't remember. I'll often say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the store or I'm going to go to the bank or something, and I'll say, you want to ride with me? He thinks that's the dumbest thing in the world. He doesn't need me. I don't need him to be in the car with me for me to go to the bank or go take trash or do whatever. But if he's in the car, we're talking. If he's in the car, we're talking. And if we're talking, that's good, right? So I, I like stuff like that. I like having with him with me just when I'm, when I'm digging in the garden, when I'm doing, when I'm doing stuff outside. Like it's, he thinks it's just work. It's not just work. We're building relationships. That is important, okay? Um, do not let your kids withdraw from the family. Kids do this a lot when they're, te they're teenagers. They get uh, all hung up with their friends, and they and they um, uh, they just kind of withdraw. They they come home from school. They go into the room. They shut the door, and they're there till bedtime. Maybe they come out to eat. I, I hear this from parents a lot. That this is, happens a lot. Do not let them withdraw from the family. Don't let them go in a room and shut the door. Okay. I, I know we're in this age where we think every kid has a right to privacy. Nah, not completely. Not completely. Don't let them withdraw. Make them be part of the family. This this is the this is the hard work of parenting, and it pays off over time. Make them be involved, even if you're just sitting watching television together, right? Make them be in the room with you and and talk, and don't just watch television. I say that as a as a committed movie goer, movie watcher. Okay, went off on that one for a while. Number six. Make sure your kids have lots of good, emphasis on good, adults in their lives. Do not let your kids spend all of their time being influenced by their peers, okay? Kids learn how to be adults not from other, other kids. They learn how to be adults. And remember, that's the goal, right? They learn how to be adults from adults, okay? So make sure they've got a lot of adults in their in their lives. Train them to engage with adults. Let them have adult conversations. Let them, let them hear adult conversations. Let them learn what it's like to be an adult and what adults struggle with and adult issues. Don't shelter your kids from that kind of stuff. Don't let them zone out with their friends all the time, right? Make them, make them be involved with, with you and your adult friends and your, make sure they're good. Make sure they're good people. Right? Um, Hillary Clinton said, and this will be probably the last time you'll ever hear me quoting Hillary Clinton in a positive way. <laughs> it takes a village to raise a child. There is some truth to that. Right? You want, in the old days, old, old days, kids grew up around their, their, their parents, their grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins. They had lots of family around them all the time. We've kind of lost that. Right, we need to we need to cultivate that kind of thing. Okay, I'll move on from that. Seventh, 
Don't be afraid to discipline your kids. I know we live in an age when discipline is kind of um, uh, not a... We don't think about that the way we did when I was a kid, right? We've got this idea that, that discipline, and I'm talking about spanking, but I'm talking about more than that, right? Discipline is not cruel. Um, James Dobson is helpful here. James Dobson um, wrote some books a long time ago, and um, they're not probably in vogue right now, but I'm going to tell you, there's three of them, or four, that are really, really helpful. They have been really helpful to us, and there's a lot of wisdom and truth in there. Um, the book Dare to Discipline is excellent. Um, he's got two books, one bringing up boys, one bringing up girls. Those are I've, I've read the boy one, um, but I suspect the girl one is just as good. And then he's got a book called The Strong-Willed Child. Read that. If you've got a strong-willed child, read that. Read that book. Um, and I'll have links to all these books in the show notes. But Dobson says two things that I think are really important and true, and they are as true today as they were when he wrote those books back in, I don't know, the 80s, 90s? I don't know when, I don't know when, I don't remember when he wrote those. First, when you discipline, discipline early in the process when you're calm. What, here's what we do sometimes. We, the kid does something wrong and we, and we just let it go and we think, don't do that. Don't do that. And it goes on, and it, it, they do it again, and then we get a little more irritated, and we don't, but we don't deal with it, and it and they happen, happens again. We get more irritated, and then at some point, they've pushed us to our last straw, and, and when we do deal with it, we are furious and we're enraged, and we blow up. That is when abuse happens, when we let stuff go to the point that we're seeing red. Don't do that. Discipline early. When you're calm, when you can do it calmly and rationally with, with, um, with, with some firmness to you, okay? But do it early when you can do it calmly and firmly but, but without anger, okay? Remember, remember our one verse uh, from Ephesians? Don't exasperate your kids. One of the ways you're going to exasperate your kids is by blowing up at them. Don't do that. And one of the ways you keep from doing that is disciplining early in the process. The second thing Dobson says that I think is really helpful is that you discipline for two reasons and two reasons only. Now, there's there's a difference between training and discipline. Okay? Training happens all the time. Discipline happens for two reasons and two reasons only. Okay? Here they are. You discipline for disobedience, okay? And you discipline for disrespect. Disobedience and disrespect, all right? You don't discipline for accidents or normal childhood foolishness or awkwardness. That You just live with that stuff, okay? You tell your kids to be more careful, but you don't, you don't discipline them because they spilled the milk or the orange juice or the, you know, whatever. All right? You train in those situations. You, dis- you discipline for disobedience. You don't, you don't tolerate disobedience. And you don't tolerate disrespect. And you, and you discipline early in the process, okay? So you can do it without anger. All right? The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 12 that God himself 
disciplines us. That is what good parents do. And he says there that, as we all know, discipline in the moment isn't any fun. It seems unpleasant. Yes, it does. Right? But its purpose, it's a good, it has a good purpose behind it. And its, and its purpose is to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Okay? Discipline is a biblical thing. God disciplines us. You need to discipline your kids. Okay? But do it wisely. Do it with love. Do it early before you, before you blow up. Okay? Okay, number eight. Do not shelter your kids from the world they're going to have to live in. This is a, this is a messed up world. It's a flawed world. Bad things happen. Do not shelter your kids from that kind of stuff. I'll give you an example. When 9-11 happened years ago, our son was in first grade, second grade. He was young. We had some parents who also had kids that age, and, and even the school, the school sent home a letter that day, the day of 9-11, encouraging us to, to shield our kids from the, don't let them watch the news, don't let them know about what's going on. We did not take that advice. Our philosophy was, I want Nathan to know what kind of world we live in, but he's going to learn to process that kind of stuff from us. So he got home from school. We, we sat down. We told him what happened. And we said, here's, here's, here's why it happened. Here's, here's the whole story. We let him ask questions. We told him as much as he wanted to know. And then we helped him process it in a healthy way. All right? Your kids need to learn how to process bad things because the world's full of bad stuff. And how are they going to learn that if you don't show them? That's part of being a parent. Bad things happen. People die. People get hurt. People hurt other people. That's part of life. If you want resilient kids, help them to learn how to process that kind of stuff. Don't shelter them from it. Teach them how to deal with it appropriately. Okay? That's your job. And you don't, you don't teach them anything useful when you shelter them from it, what you teach them is you can't handle the world. And we do not need adults running around thinking they can't handle the world. We need adults that are secure and uh, resilient and strong and self-reliant. you got to train that into your kids. And you do that by letting them, letting them see the junk that's in the world, but helping them process it responsibly. Okay. So there's eight. I've got one more. Number nine. This is going to sound familiar. Once again, realize that love covers a multitude of sins. Okay? That was number one. It's also number nine. Because every, I want to bracket all that with that reminder. Love covers a multitude of sins. You're not going to do any of this stuff perfectly. You're not. You're just not. I didn't. You're not either, okay? Give yourself some grace. But realize that the thing that's going to overcome your deficiencies is love, okay? Love covers a multitude of sins. God has entrusted you with the nurturing and care of another life. If you're a parent, that's true. 
You're a parent because God trusts you, okay? That should humble you. It might even frighten you a little bit. But it should also inspire you because what it means, folks, what it means is that God thinks you're up to the challenge. That doesn't mean you got it all together. That doesn't mean you're God's gift to your kids, although in some ways you are. It also doesn't mean you can just wing it, right, and, and blunder your way through it. Again, be proactive. Learn what you don't know. If you don't have good parents, and a lot of us didn't have completely good parents, recognize that. Admit it. And commit yourself to learning how to do a better job than your parents did. Okay? If you, but if you have children, the most important kingdom activity that you can engage in is to raise them well, to extend the blessing and love and care and instruction and nurture of God to them. You are God's representative to your kid or kids. Help them become adults who can bear the image of God to the world with wisdom and love. You can do that. And the proof that you can do that is that God has made you a parent. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. As always, we'd appreciate it if you tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music, and just about any old other place you can go and get podcasts. It would really help if you just take two minutes and write a little review of the podcast on, on those platforms. That would help. Uh, please visit us on our Facebook page for the Jesus Society podcast. Um, um, check out our new website, our new and improved website, thejesussociety.com. It is the it is the repository for everything related to the podcast. Um, there's more to come on that, um, but check it out. Every episode of the podcast is going to be there. Um, when we get the old ones loaded, they, they'll all be there too. Um, got more work to do, but you know, July. Um, our podcasts are also on um, um, YouTube and Odyssey, um, the uh, alt tech platform there. Uh, if you'd like to support us, this is a change, okay? If you'd like to support the show and, and, and the related ministry that I do, you can go to our website, thejesussociety.com, and you can click on the support TJS link, and you can find out the, the several different ways that you can, that you can support us. Um, we're, we're doing away from Patre with Patreon. That 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 has not been a uh, that has not been terribly useful to us. And it's I, I've been trying to not have six different places where the Jesus Society exists. I want one place, our website. That's a one-stop shop. Uh, I thought Patreon could be that. It didn't. That didn't work out that way. So thejesussociety.com is our home. It is our it is our one-stop shop. It's the clearinghouse for everything related to to us and our ministry. There you go. If you want to support us, you can do so there. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, you are greatly loved.